and YouTube. That's right. No hello, copyright hello. violations today. No copyright violations. We had to t turn off a song just to make sure we don't get flagged by the YouTube censors. All right. So here we are back for the first episode of November for a Democrat and Republican walk into a bar. I'm your Democratic host, Dr. Cindy Banyan. I am your Republican host, Sean Hartman. And we are here live from Ollie's in Cape Coral, um, enjoying the post-Halloween bliss yep. around the city. Uh, I definitely know they have some amazing events here, a haunted walk and yeah, some we cool had a few stuff. Walks here. We had uh, the haunted, uh, haunted walk here at Ollie's. I did uh, my local church's trunk or treat. I know you did something really scary. You had a convention with all the other Democrats. That's my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did have the Democratic convention for the state of Florida, the Florida Democratic Party, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't scary at all. It was uh, it was pretty much fun. Uh, some of the highlights uh, include the Young Democrats fundraiser where they auctioned off karaoke songs and we had Nikki Freed come in and she sang, you know, the new, her anthem won't back down. Yeah. And uh, we also had Maxwell Frost joined us and it was great to see him. And he did all right by Kendrick Lamar had the whole room jump in and a couple other folks, you know, you had Adam Hattersley and some other big name Democrats joined in. Debbie well, Castle Powell too, actually. Oh yes, yeah, so your Senate candidate. It's I have been warning our local Republicans that you guys are united right now, and they don't seem to think that it's a concern, but it is definitely a concern to me uh, from my standpoint. Uh, so I don't think they have anything to worry. about. <laughs> you just want us to just, just resting on. We should local. just yeah, yeah just chill out. Like higher Republicans and Democrats like, more than any, be... any time in, in our history. So yes, I think that there are some things that could allow us to rest in our world. I'm hoping we don't. I'm hoping we don't. Don't listen to our it's okay. It's not like I have 12 candidates that I'm yeah. running around the state. Speaking of 12 candidates, there's another one succeeding you for the Democrat candidate. I'm sure you're right. wanting to plug her. Yep. So Carrie Lerner is announced has just announced her candidacy for Florida 19. That's the U.S. House of Representatives seat against Byron Donalds. So. Yep. So that she is a. If I remember correctly, she's the chairman of the chairwoman of the party. She's yep. uh, stepping down temporarily to run this candidate. But you, mm -hmm. I did hear that she was a state legislator. She was a state legislator in New Hampshire. Oh, okay. I was like wondering. She flipped what... a seat there. Okay, well, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I like the competition. I still think Byron's going to win. But what I look at in these races is how much margins you guys gain. And that's sort of, from a Republican standpoint, I think that is where we're, what I'm looking at. Because I'm glad that you guys are running. I'm glad we're having some races and some good competition. But I still think this is a pretty red Republican county here in Lee County. Interesting, because, you know, in 2020, which was the last presidential cycle we had, I flipped 50,000 votes. Uh, we moved the district a few points in the Democratic direction, and it was it was a big deal. Now, unfortunately, in 2022, we had Hurricane Ian, and it was a real mess. We went yeah. from 91 precincts to 12 precincts. And yeah. um, so I don't even really know how we're going to be able to compare. We're just going to have to see how it well, goes. Compare, I, I, for me personally, because again, I like watching these numbers because I'm such a nerd and I do that. I don't get paid to do it. No one in the Republican Party has asked me to do it. I just do it on my own. 
because I'm a political junkie and this is what polit we political junkies do this all we the keep time. Track of this stuff. We, do, we do it all the time for no reason um, other than our own little entertainments and joys. But that's what I'm going to be looking at is, is in your race in particular, what's going to be those margins, differences in margins? Are you going to match what you had in 2020? Because I think 2020 is your, your sort of base. You're kind of you're kind of basing it off of that because that was when I saw your, your numbers in 2020, I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, I was worried. And then I was thankful that 2022 would reverse. But yeah, yeah, I mean, 2022 was just yeah. a whole big problem. And of course, that was a lot of that had to do with Hurricane Ian and, and right. limited number of voter turnout as well. So we'll see what happens come, come 2024, which is a presidential election year. Yeah. And you guys are going to have the abortion um, issue on the ballot from yep. my understanding now, too. So that's going to draw a lot of Democratic. And legalization of marijuana, recreational legalization. Is that on the ballot? Yep, that's on the ballot well, as well. Ooh. I actually, we both support that. So that's one of those things. And there's actually a lar much larger contingent of Republicans now these days who are pro-legalization of marijuana. And I'm very thankful for that because it's a freedom issue. We're going to be the free you know that How many of the Republican officials who are elected are not pro-legalization? Oh, no, there's a, yeah, no, it's definitely one of the things I have attacked. Good, good friends of mine and colleagues of mine, I have, I have definitely called them out on it. But there are, I, I, without naming names, I can tell you there are people in high up within the Republican Party who are very supportive of marijuana legalization. I mean, I who smoke pot. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's. Yeah. Anyway, they like to go smoke, smoke on the golf courts and at the country club. And anyway, yeah. but it's the difference between what the popular opinion and versus what the mm. legislators think. So, you know, there's a lot of high ranking Republicans who are not in support of recreational legalization. Yep. So it'll be an interesting referendum coming up in 2024. Mm -hmm. um, abortion should be on the ballot as well. It looks most likely like the clean water, right to clean water is not going to be uh, successfully on the ballot because we will have not reached the like 900,000 petition threshold in time so but at least uh so we're gonna the goal keep going with dirty water darn it yeah well the the goal right now is to get to the two hundred fifty thousand threshold for the con the constitutional review and then try again uh next cycle so, what's the constitution what do you explain that i don't even know that so part. in the state of florida every referendum actually is an amendment to the state constitution mm, course, yeah. and the, basically there's a review that is triggered once you reach a threshold and it varies from year to year, but it's basically 250,000 good signatures. And basically the lawyers and the scholars kind of look at it and say, yes, this language is, you know, okay to put into the constitution or no, it's not. So it's entirely possible to get enough petitions and have it be rejected mm -hmm. at the constitutional review phase. Mm. But the ballot, the abortion initiative has already passed. The legalization initiative has already passed. Um, the abortion initiative is on track to get enough signatures to, to qualify. The legalization already has enough. Okay, perfect. Thank God for all those pot smoker, smoker well, Republicans. <laughs> yes, thanks. But actually, the, the recreational one was well ahead of the game because it was well-funded by yeah. a series of corporations, including True Leave, oh, yeah. who wants to come into Florida here. And they basically single-handedly funded that campaign. Oh, yeah. No, th those, those, those signature posts were all over every single True Leave. Not that I would – actually. But, yeah, so um, – but yes, every anyway. single uh yeah, they were in the true leaves for sure. I trust me, I wouldn't know. I I <laughs> anyway. 
but yes, we're very supportive here of, of legalizing marijuana. I think it's it's more than enough time, long past time that we legalized it. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. So both of those referendum, by the way, are anticipated to bring out a higher Democratic voter turnout, which is part of the strategy of putting it on the bill, aside from, you know, like the mm-hmm. rollback of the abortion rights in particular. But um, and frankly, the, the legalization one, I mean, just a company wants to get it done. So yeah. <laughs> they're like, let's I mean, rock and roll. Yeah, let's do it. But it's, it, it will likely bring out a, a larger percentage of Democratic voters. Yeah. I mean, you said again, you'll get some Republican voters who will support that too as well, and of course the Libertarians. Um, but outside of that, yeah, you're right. It is mostly one that Democrats like to champion. I mean, and actually, if because we were just talking a little bit about the disconnect between popular opinion and the electeds, a lot of the recent referendum in the state have passed by large margins, um, and it's not necessarily reflective of the way that people vote. Mm-hmm. For instance, the rights restoration passed by 65%. The minimum wage. The minimum wage passed by 65%. Um, The uh, previous medical marijuana passed by, I think it was the largest margin in history. Mm -hmm. I think it was over 70%. Um, And so I think that there Mm -hmm. definitely is a disconnect between what people think and want out of their government and what the parties are about. I actually agree with you there. I think you have a lot of... Uh, policies that are mostly Democrat that are passing through referendums through the popular vote statewide. But again, with with how these uh, how we have our districts drawn out and a lot of that being with gerrymandering. But even without gerrymandering, we look at uh, representatives and the fact that we have a party system where it's whoever is uh, your party's nominee is who you support. And mm-hmm. party loyalty is is at this point part of people's identity, you know, so. Right. So at that point, it's, it's, it's completely just, separate from policy. And it's a and completely issues. separate from policy. And you and you see this a lot with, with the styles of Republicans and the styles of Democrats. You know, you have Republicans, especially here in Florida. You have some who are moderates and some who are more like Trump populists and some who are more traditionalist conservatives and some who are more libertarian. And so you have a whole hodgepodge of Republicans. And that's why you can't always get agreements like that at, in the, at the state level and certain things that people think, oh, Republicans can easily get this passed and then Republicans get angry that it doesn't. It's because we don't have like, no one's, we're not all basically believing one thing. Yeah, because you don't believe in anything unless you're it's forced down your throat. Like when DeSantis tells you that all of the leadership's initiatives are going to pass through the legislature. Okay, yeah, that part, yeah. But I mean, generally speaking, it's, Generally speaking, before Ron DeSantis decided to take over the legislature, which which we've we've discussed in previous episodes, where we're not very, you know, I'm not very comfortable with that because there needs to be that separation from the legislature and the executive branch. Absolutely. There needs to be that level of independence, and they used to have that before they with used to have it. You know, with the Senate presidents and and the House speakers. They would be able to say no to the governor because they were the ones in charge of the legislature. So I'm, but I'm also going to push back here. Uh, empirically, what you're saying is just actually not correct. There's not a huge diversity of thought within the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. There's a diversity of personalities and power centers. Okay, yeah. and. And people are not, there's not a wide discrepancy. I mean, you can look at this in the presidential primary. Well, yes, at the presidential. Nobody's saying different things. You get, you get, I think you have some differences. <laughs> not example. really. Like on Ukraine is probably where you're getting a lot of this, a lot of the differences. Full of things. You're, you're, you're getting a hand. Yeah, you anti-abortion or you're going to ban abortion? 
No, it's true. It's like, how how are you going to keep abortions to the states versus a national abortion? Ban? Yeah, I mean, there's, it, there's yeah, I, I definitely disagree with you. I think that, that there are ideological differences within the Republican Party. I think we are a much from the base, not necessarily the politicians as always, but the base has a wide variety of people. I don't think it. the base has any fucking idea about policy at all. That, I think the base. I think a lot of base people in the both parties don't really have an idea about policy. If they're right? Democrats are pretty grounded in policies. You know, and actually that's the big criticism about like the woke and stuff. These are policies. Those are social policies mm. that people want. Uh, whereas Republicans are about an identity and it's about wealth and building wealth and building power mm. and, um, you know, being ideal, not even ideologically, but like identity wise attracted to Trump because people are feeling f fearful does, and yeah, disempowered. It, does, yeah, it has Trump not. Takes the whole thing about yeah. Trump is like his policies are all over the place and they routinely change um and it nobody seems to care um so I don't know about being highly rooted in in policy or ideology with the Republican well we have discussed that before in general that, that a lot of the policy stuff that I'm wonky about I can't really discuss in Republican circles which is why I like doing the show is because we could discuss policy on this show. And usually right. when I'm with Republicans, I can't really talk about policy because not a lot of them, at least in the Republican circles that I know are fully well versed in it. But uh -huh. I think that that's general with a lot of just general voters don't understand these big policy issues. I don't know. We talk about policy all the time in democratic circles. And in fact, if you look at the, the analytics on our websites, the people who are generally speaking, going and looking at our policies and want to see us have uh, reflected policies on LGBT issues or women, issues and it's other democrats mm. but listen you go to a republican political website and they don't even have fucking issues on there at all it's just like ah freedom guns america and it's like cool yeah. and some handful of pictures and a hot wife <laughs> there's only a few presidential candidates that i do see with issues pages i agree with you there and that's been bugging me i'm like where do you stand on these things because it doesn't fucking matter yeah. for yeah. them but it absolutely does matter for us and actually one of the biggest bifurcations we can see right now in mm -hmm. the democratic party is over the israel ha hamas conflict yeah where you have the progressive wing of the party has become increasingly pro-palestinian people and kind of the old guard and the moderates in the in the democratic party are are very pro-israel mm -hmm. um and so this actually has really high potential of becoming a friction point for democrats on capitol hill i can definitely see it as something especially that republicans could capitalize on um, if they feel if, you know, you have enough Jewish Dem Democrats and pro-Israel Democrats, you feel like, oh, the, the other side is too pro-Palestine, too pro-ceasefire, then they're going to be like, well, what, you don't care about us. What about the Jewish people? I think a lot of them, especially looking at, I think they announced a national strategy against Islamophobia, mm -hmm. which I'm not entirely against. But why are you targeting Islamophobia and not anti-Semitism at the same time? Because I think are, that there's already policy and programs related to anti-Semitism. Yeah, the point is, is it was just it was, and then why? The fact is, is they should be focusing on both. Well, yeah. I know that this is something that the right has focused on because they want to, uh, you know, split hairs on this. Of course. Um, but actually, there's been no change in stance that there has been a continuing anti, you know, um, fighting anti-Semitic component to the federal government and the mm -hmm. Democratic Party. But they've included Islamophobia because of the conflict and the friction that has been caused. So yeah. that was already existing and it's added on. And it's, not a, it's not a shift. Well, we need, and I and I will agree at the very least that we need a national strategy against bigotry, including Islamophobia. I don't think I think that bigotry is wrong in our country. Full stop. And that that's like an end of discussion thing. I think this um, 
I mean, this whole Israeli-Palestinian conflict has, has gotten a lot of people in, in a very aggressive state and understandably Absolutely. so because it's an emotional one. How can we really properly talk about this when it's so emotionally charged? I don't think we can. Yeah. And especially, I mean, the tragedy is, is there are real civilian lives, innocent lives who are affected by this. And, I, and just so people understand, this government, the Hamas government in the Gaza Strip, they took over in the mid-2000s. And so that's basically been under a military dictatorship for over a decade now, two decades now. And so this isn't controlled, isn't something that people Palestinian want, Palestine wants. They didn't vote for this government. You know, they're- well, They voted initially and then the votes were stopped. Okay. They had elected, yeah, uh, Hamas got elected in 2006, I believe. Yeah, and they and suspended a, any further elections. Yeah. They, yeah. There, well, yes, it was, yeah, there was an entire conflict with that. I don't know. The I honestly do not know all of the details, but that's why I've been having so much trouble with this issue is because it's so emotionally charged. Right. We can't really talk about the real people who are negatively involved with drugs, civilians on both sides right. who are hurting the Israeli civilians and the families who've lost in, you know, fa their families' lives, people who are still in Gaza now, right. uh, um, hostages, and of course, just mm -hmm. innocent men, women, and children in, in the Gaza Strip right. who didn't ask for this, who don't want to be a part of this, and who right. unfortunately are caught in the crossfire of this right. war. Yep. Well, and further distressing, we can see that there's a high potential for this conflict growing outside yeah. of Israel. Um, Obviously, we've been seeing missiles from both Iran and Yemen um, have been targeting Israel and U.S. troops. Um, right. And then, of course, Hezbollah and Lebanon. Right. So uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is in the region there yeah. uh, today, um, was talking with Israeli allies, and then actually made an unscheduled stop or unannounced stop, I guess, in Iraq. Um, so part of the concern, of course, is that with uh, Iranian um, funds and we also have Russian-backed uh, troops or troops and organizations uh, that are getting weapons and funds from uh, Russia as well. Uh, what can, how can this continue to, you know, you know, get outside of the region mm. um, and negatively affect the U.S. troops that are stationed in the various areas. Yep. And uh, that's actually the biggest concern for me is yeah. um, how much bigger is this going to be? Right. Um, and, you know, I've been trying to avoid some of the emotional, kind of tit for tat in uh, Israel right mm. now. Um, but I'm kind of looking at it from the broad geopolitical strategy and They're, I'm very, very concerned about this. I agree I agree with you there. I think that um, I applaud, you know, very, very rare applaud for Secretary Blinken from me for trying to uh, move to uh, avoid further escalation. I think you're absolutely right. The fact that this could be a, a multi-front war, a major mm -hmm. regional war, um, dragging us into into a conflict is not what we need right now. And it seems like, you know, we're we're marching closer to some sort of World War III. But this, with Ukraine, with Taiwan, um, possibly being another, um, you know, what's the term? I forgot the term. Like, major point of interest. I guess there is a term for it, and I've conflict lost conflict front. Conflict. Uh, I guess, area of conflict that could become 
within the next year or so is also an area where conflict yeah, can start right. emerging. And then you have the stuff going on in Niger. Let's not forget about that. I don't even know what's going on there. We haven't been so focused on everything else. Well, I mean, it's had some across the African continent, um, Niger, uh, I believe we had conflict in Chad, you had conflict in South Sudan. And a lot of that actually was spurred on to a certain extent by Russian intervention as well, Russian weapons coming in. Mm. Um, and you can throw China into the mix in terms of how they are trying to control the infrastructure in yeah. those regions as well. So yeah. I'm not, it's not really clear to me how something could escalate over into the South China Sea right now, aside from existing conflicts, uh, because China and Russia are not like super great allies. Yeah, no. They never really good, have been. It's just the kind of they're just, they're just it's a marriage of convenience. It really well, it's is. even a marriage at all. I mean, it's <laughs> Um, now, would they use, you know, opportunity potential, but we definitely are kind of looking at a setup where we could have essentially proxy conflicts between the United States and Russia happen in many places across Africa or in the Middle East. Yay, new Cold War. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Um... You know, and that uh, just just infiltration and uh, election interference is also something that Russia has been actively involved in and funding right here in the United States as well, um, and even right down to us here in Southwest Florida. Oh, what's this? Hmm. I don't know. Oh, there's a, there's a significant amount of Russian influence that's happening right here uh, that comes to us via General Mike Flynn up in Sarasota. Oh, okay, right. And yes, and we have uh, players like known Russian um, assets, Ivan Ranklin, who is known as devising the Pence card and disseminated through the Trump administration to basically pressure Mike Pence into trying to overturn the election. Um, he has been seen and uh, photographed uh, going out shooting with Lee GOP chair Mike uh, Mike Thompson and Madison Cawthorn and General Mike Flynn. So oh, look at all these dots connecting each other. It's like the Charlie Damien with the strings. Like, I'm just no, saying. I don't. I don't think Chairman Thompson <laughs> is a Russian plant or a Russian. I think he's smart enough to know that. <laughs> he absolutely, absolutely took money from Mike Flynn for his run for the chairman. Run? How do you? Just not. Wasn't like. Was like. He wasn't he even was running ad. No, what, he was supported. Why is he getting money for? He's not running a. It's not like a congressional campaign where he's like running ads and stuff. Okay. It wasn't like. What was he going to use the money for? Other That's, influence campaigns. Then why did why did Mike Flynn why would he even you know? Well, I know he endorsed him. I do know he endorsed him, okay. and there Which comes with endorsements. There's no money in a chairman's campaign, okay. though. How much money did you guys spend in your Democratic? Hey, we're Democrats. Chairman? We don't have any money. <laughs> Y'all throw money around like it's fucking candy. So, uh, yeah. So, all right. So maybe it's not, but it's definitely influence peddling campaign is definitely be, being funneled and funded by Russia. And y'all are playing around with Russian assets like it's no fucking big deal. So anyway, and I've directly told Mike Thompson that and he's like, he doesn't have any idea. You know, he has no fucking idea what is going on. And that's OK. I mean, that's, you know, idiots make the best fucking yeah. assets if they're just up there doing the things because you've planted all sorts of information into them and they're doing it unwittingly and you don't even have to pay them. That's a fucking bonus. Yeah, no, he definitely, if, if, if anything, you don't, 
there's no money being spent on a chairman's campaign. So I don't think there's any money that was exchanged. I do know General Flynn endorsed him. Uh, that's all and I know. Oaks and Collier. Alfie Oaks and Collier. Whole but, slate. Yep. Yeah, yep. it was a whole it was a whole America yep. first slate. But mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, but speaking of how who did that branding and made the slate then? They did. They did. They spent they told from what I understood, they spent their own money on anything with advertisements. But there was money spent on that. I don't know how much money. I don't know if there was. There was money. I think they spent they money on print. Yes, the America First ticket. Anyway, speaking of uh, America First candidates and all that type of stuff, when we last left you guys, we had no speaker. Now we have a speaker. Yay, we did it. Took us a few weeks, but we did it. Republicans can govern now. We did it. Good job. Yes, they elected uh, far-right, teddy bear-looking, <laughs> extremely, extremely racist, sexist, misogynist uh, Mike Johnson to the speakership. He was seen as the more palatable version of Jim Jordan <laughs> um, that the Republicans were willing to get around, basically because nobody knew enough about him to yeah. really push back. His name, his name sounds like a fake a name you would find on a fake ID for a teenager, and he looks like a teenager trying using a, trying to use a fake ID. Yes. Um, I feel like I I still feel like we don't know too much about too much about him. We do. We've obviously been going into his uh, history as a as a Christian. He was on uh, Fox News Sunday this morning, so I did get to see a chance get a chance to see that interview. He does. Uh, he was asked uh, about that question about his Christian views and whether or not he was a Christian nationalist, which he declined. He said he was not a Christian nationalist. And he, he just made, wants a Christian America. <laughs> well, what he said and what, what he said is like, look, these aren't the, these social issues. Just because I have my biblical views and I'm public about my biblical views, that that's not the same views that all my colleagues share. And we're going to um, run by consensus, is what he said. I so, mean, wasn't he? Wasn't his statement when they said, "Well, what do you believe in?" He's like, "Read the Bible." Read the Bible and you can find my worldview. Yeah. Right. Uh, so he's governing and his views are aligned with yes, the Bible. His, yes, his political views are aligned biblically. But as he was saying, he was saying that as speaker, it's he's going to be more of a consensus leadership and that these issues, these social issues of abortion, of same-sex marriage, all the stuff that everyone's been targeting him on, he is saying he's not going to bring up because they're not priorities. The other thing he brought up is that they are working on a stopgap measure, a continuing resolution, oh, cool. for because we've delayed the time but of spending yeah, all of 12 days away yep. from the So they are working on a CR, um, which which at least they're, they're got, we're governing now. I appreciate that. And of course, we, we proposed our, we got our first bill. Cool, because that's their job. Yes, I know. Finally, we're doing our job. I will say that it's nice, it's nice that we're working again. And I think a lot of Republicans agree with that too. And the, one of the first bills, and I think we're going to get a lot of contention on, is the Israel bill. They tried to fund it. Um, they're trying, uh, they tried to fund it and they disconnected it from the Ukraine funding. And then they're using, um, they're trying to cut the funding from the IRS right. to safeguard it. I agree that we should try to get it from somewhere else. But this IRS thing we've discussed, I don't know if we've discussed it on the podcast, sure, but we've fine. discussed it pri privately um, where, you know, these extra IRS agents aren't going to hurt the working class. They're going to hurt the wealthy. They're going to hurt the people like Bill Gates and the CEO of BlackRock because they're the ones who are tax dodging and doing all that. They're used to target them. So right. I actually am one of the, probably the few Republicans who support that funding and support those resources for those IRS agents to go after those elitists who are 
dodging and not doing, you know, dodging their responsibility as taxpayers. Yeah. And when they do that, that means taxes are higher on average everyday Americans or working Absolutely. class. So, and the the research shows us that for every dollar that's invested into the IRS, there's a twelve dollar return. Yeah, I did see that um, that there is a potentiality that this cut would in theory actually cut. Increase the deficit. So yeah, results it, matter. You know that's that's for the that's for the congressional budget office. But the point is, is that results matter. And I mean, even though I agree with the sentiment, let's let's not try to borrow. Let's try to find a different way to spend uh, or take it from somewhere else. IRS is not where I would have actually taken it, but it also is very popular because no one likes the IRS. So easy, easy one to say. It's like you could say whoever votes against it doesn't want to support Israel and supports the IRS. So. Good politics, politics playing, but not what I would have done on a policy standpoint. Yeah, it's, you know, the the critique, of course, from the Democrats is that this is playing politics because you're linking a, a very extreme fiscally conservative position mm. and yes. political desire to reduce funding to the IRS to Absolutely. a funding request to Israel. So yeah. this is not, you know, a lot of people are just saying, hey, this is not the place or time. We already dragged our, our, our mm. feet for three weeks just getting a speaker in. So we're behind the ball when it comes to getting the continuing resolution or in yeah. funding the government. And we're behind the ball. I'm sending support to our ally in Israel. So this is definitely not going to pass the Senate. It's already been said by Chuck yeah. Schumer. And so, Trump, and, uh, not Trump, but Biden said that uh, he would veto it as well. But I find that just, I mean, ignoring the IRS part, I think the other reason that a lot of the, a lot of the opposition is there is because they want to link Israel and Ukraine. And I don't think those bills should be linked. I think that those are two separate issues and people have two separate opinions on it. And to force people to link something, that's really a lot of the problem with Washington is people like to put one thing in a bill into another thing sure. and basically poison pill it. And then mm -hmm. if someone votes no, they're going to be like, oh, you didn't vote or no on this thing, this thing, right. and this thing. But you fail to mention that it's because it had this thing, this thing, and this thing. Right. And so we see that so often and it's disgusting on how, and that's how that that's a part of politics. So those bills need to be separate. But Biden has said if they're not connected, he's going to veto it. And I have a real problem with that because it's like so you're basically – denying israel aid because you want ukraine aid when we've been well, giving billions are denying the israel aid because they want to they want to defund the irs but i feel they like if they could have that bill but completely independently they could have so let's start where, where the politics began and that was with the republicans in the house playing <laughs> politics and pushing their extreme fiscal conservative agenda. but even then if we had one without the let's say we did that right let's say we cut out the irs and, and did a clean israel funding and borrowed for that which which a lot of Republicans didn't want to do, but I'm sure a lot of them would suck it up and do it anyway. Let's say we do that, then President Biden would have still vetoed it. Yeah, that's what he it. says now. Yeah, that's good. He, I don't think he would actually, if it was a clean bill, if it was just funding for Israel, I, I don't think that he would do that. Um, but so, much, so you're saying he's not true to his word. Got it. Understood. He's, he's, <laughs> this, is, this is political brinkmanship, and it was started by y'all. So if you had just passed okay. a bill, then you wouldn't have anything to say here. But let's just say that th this, that I want everybody to remember what we're talking about when we're talking about funding either Israel or Ukraine, okay? This, the way that the money actually gets funded to these other countries is maybe a portion of it would get sent in, in actual just dollars. The vast majority of it is you, what happens is we are selling them our weapons 
typically our older stocks. And then we're using the amount of money to refurbish our own military. So this has a net benefit for our military and our economy. So there's this really a win-win for the United States. And this kind of like him and hawing about, well, I want it to, you know, I, I like Israel, but I don't like Ukraine. Yeah. And we're going to defund the IRS or whatever. It like the money goes back to the, to the Department of Defense for the most part. So let's and, just... And, and Congress, just remember, you're disappointing the military industrial complex. These guys signed so much of your checks. Just... <laughs> Just put the clean bill in. Do you not see how much money your donors will be making? I mean, but, you but know, you're right, if you want right, to have an America first perspective, I mean, that's kind of is, part kind, of it, right? You're it's not like, wrong. You're technically not wrong. I mean, it does help American industry and American businesses. And the American sure. and our American defense. So this this whole idea that we're just sending dollars to a sinkhole in another country is patently false. Well, thank God we're not at least sending it into a sinkhole, and at least we're get or our our Northrop Grumman and Boeing are getting rich off off of these these. Uh, hey, those are American jobs, right? For a good point, they are American jobs. They are American, American companies. Jobs. American jobs. So, like we're talking, like adding to GDP. American CEOs. About adding to you know individual communities. Where's the Boeing headquarters? Is what Colorado? Yeah, that was Nevada? North Carolina or something, or South Carolina. Could be. I don't know. Um, can't oh, remember. No, I Nikki Haley. She's on the board, apparently. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, and then they're going to make money. So, you know, this is which should be like a, a a very big, you know, slam dunk for the Republicans. You think that? Yeah. But you have a lot of uh, Republicans who are becoming more anti-war as well. Um, yes, they are. You're looking at me like. A... I mean, they're becoming isolationist. No. Yes, that's true. Yes, I definitely. I, 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 war is kind of like not anti-war it's it's isolationism that's okay that i can kind of agree with you on we're we're becoming we're we're, we're starting to withdraw there's a lot of republicans who are wanting to withdraw from our our standing in the world which you and i both both disagree on um we think that it's american leadership especially when it comes to china and russia um yeah, we want China more specifically. Yeah, exactly. It's like if we leave, who's the power vacuum is going to be filled by someone else? And right. Most likely, it's going to be filled by China. And mm -hmm. so we need to uh, have that strength and have that power on a global scale. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be intervening and get involved in every single foreign, foreign conflict or foreign issue, True. but it does mean maintaining uh, the international order that has worked for not just us, but for human rights and for, for people across the globe. That were the systems that we set up. No, system, yeah, like we the United Nations. And democracy. United Nations, for example, how many, and shocked at how many systems. Republicans do not like the United Nations when it is an American creation. We have no fucking idea why, though. They're told that this is like, oh, we got to hate the United Nations. They think it's a Nations. one world government. It, and right. the thing is, the Which United is Nations stupid. is weak. It is weak. It's, it's such weak a weak because. We've decided that we want to have national sovereignty, yeah, national and it's it's a decision to collaborate, yeah. right? But it was our system. It was built on Bretton Woods system, which, by the way, was negotiated in Bretton Woods, New Jersey, which is why I called Bretton Woods. Okay, uh, World Bank, IMF, WTO, the precursor to the WTO, the GATT, as well as the United Nations, were all created by the Allied powers post World War II to set up the quote unquote New World Order that was based on Western market principle democracy in an attempt to 
help other countries bring them into the fold. Yep. It was our institutions. And I agree. Like, it's just, I can't believe that we would be willing to walk away from that power. And frankly, no one else in the world can either, because the biggest critique outside of the United States is that the United Nations is too dominated by the United, United yep. States. It doesn't seem that way quite a bit because we get a lot of these votes. Like there was the vote um, in the UN where they wouldn't, I guess, condemn Hamas. But again, that's again how the UN is structured because every vote needs to have a two-third majority. No, for that's not how that works. So what they're talking about is the United States stopped the vote. Um, they they vetoed it. So the United States the United States is on the Security Council of the United Nations. So they're one of five permanent seats, including Russia, China. France and the, UK. and the UK, right? And the United States voted against it and they killed the bill. So it never went out to the, the General Assembly. The The United States vetoed the Hamas resolution to condemn Hamas? Uh, to, it wasn't the condemn Hamas. It was the- um, no, There was a resolution in the General fire. Assembly. The resolutions can't go to the General Assembly. There was, no, they did. They, did. And they have to come from the Security Council. There was- there is something that they voted on recently to condemn Hamas, and it failed. I saw it. In so it might have been Russia then that vetoed that one. There was another one um, that the United Nations, the United States. Oh, it was it was a ceasefire, demanding a ceasefire. Yeah. It was one that the United States uh, vetoed. But anyway, well, all of those powers have, with all of them, with veto power, have too much power. If you really think about it, but that was by design. And again, when yeah, you think about design. it. Are there something? So I mean, like again, if you're thinking about it, like who's controlling the globe? These five countries, one of them being us, right. essentially. When you think about it, but again, the UN, the UN is not a world government type of situation. Their institutions have some level of power and authority, um, but they're still within that UN system and um, institutions. And the UN can't even intervene in a country's domestic affairs right. unless they ask. Exactly. So that's why, like, the situation, the Darfur genocide, they couldn't do diddly squat because Sudan was saying, don't come in. Right, exactly. Even in PKOs, peacekeeping <laughs> operations, they have to be agreed upon to come in. Yep. So, so yeah, that's how that works. But, yeah, we, we control it. So, like, why we would give that power away is ridiculous. Yep. Give that to China and Russia, that's basically what would happen. Exactly. Yep. That would be a disaster. So I 100%, I, I, am, a, I am one of the last remaining bastions of Republicans who support the United Nations. But um, I do believe, again, we, we need to be more of an anti-war party. And I, and I disagree with you. I think that is the direction we are going. And that is why you have a lot of people, particularly with you. You want the historically hawkish party to become anti-war? I do, yes. Finally, I would like us to become an, bring back the Robert I mean, Taft Conservative. Where we literally had the, the, the CEO of Halliburton as vice president. Yes, exactly. Yes, we need to change that. I 100%. Oh, all right. So that's what happened. So now we have a relatively functioning Congress. Yeah. Um, yay. The government may or may not shut down. We may or may not fund uh, Israel. So we'll see. All right. And it's kind of it's big. Kind of like big. In... So let's just, um, I, we're going we're gonna to be doing another show next week, uh, but we will be going on hiatus until January, so definitely pay attention to that. I actually uh, will be going up in D.C. the first week, first week of December for some uh, campaign training with the Leadership Institute, so I'm super excited. And I'm oh, going, you did want me to complain I did, about yes, that. because apparently, because this Leadership Institute is a conservative organization that trains young conservative leaders, and I guess the Democrats don't have anything like that. Is that correct? 
yeah, we just don't fund things in the same way. Like I, you know, we have plenty of free resources, but we like, we're end up being quite stingy and turn, you know, and I, listen, I can, I know this cause I've also worked for the Republicans before and I definitely know Republican parties, Republican events, they are well-funded. Yeah. You got food, you have drink, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they'll bring you along. Democrats don't do that. And it's actually, interestingly enough, makes the barrier, the access to that kind of thing even higher, which kind of goes against some of the principles in the Democratic mm -hmm. Party. Yeah. If you don't have the money to go to the training, you don't get to go. Uh, yep. So it's And I was able, so to, and then for me, like I got a scholarship, so my expenses are completely paid. They're paying, they paid for my, or they're reimbursing me for my flight. They're paying my hotel. They're paying my 10 days at the conference. All of it's all expense paid. And so a lot of it does have to do with, like you said, Republicans have money, Democrats don't. I will say, though, I will say that just because the, the National Party and the State Party and some of the other institutes don't have a lot of money, it doesn't mean we're not trying to invest. So actually, yeah, there are a lot of progressive yeah, and, and last weekend we had the Florida Democratic uh, Party convention, and you know, brouhaha in Orlando, uh, relatively like you know, modest affair, all things considered. However, us here in Lee County, we fundraise and we sent five youth delegates to the convention, all expense paid. So that's you know, we value that sometimes, and we're able to get that through. But it's not as widespread because we just don't have the funds in the yeah. same way that the Republicans do. Yes, thank you. Thankfully, we're rich. And anyway, the, yeah, <laughs> I the, do wanna, the wine is never free. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to bring something. One more thing up before we go. So on our break, uh, um, an individual by the name of Pat O'Rourke, a local individual down here, passed away. He is pretty much. I can only say the exemplar of what it means to be a volunteer and public servant. He. Up until he finally went into hospice, which must have been six months before his passing, he was out there on his wheelchair helping the sheriff's office, helping the veterans, helping the animal shelter. Everyone knew him. Everyone loved yep. him. Um, and so my thoughts and prayers are with everyone who loved him. And uh, he is going to be having a celebration of life uh, Tuesday the 14th at Broadway Palm. I will, of course, be there. Just a wonderful man, well-beloved by so many people in this community and uh, he will be missed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he definitely was somebody I crossed paths with too along the nonprofit world. Mm. He was big in philanthropy, always gave of himself and his funds and his heart and his time. And uh, it's definitely something that we could all take, take a, a note, a page from his notebook yeah. from. So my um, water is empty, but raise a, a glass to pour one out for BPAD. <laughs> BPAD. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us here this week on a Democrat and Republican walk into a bar. Please do join us next week, which will be our final live session of 2023. Oh I my know. goodness. Can you believe it? Um, right. And then now the game's. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. And then we'll be full swing into campaign season, but yes. come join us next weekend here at Ollie's pub in Cape Coral drinks up at four live show starts at four 30. If you love this show, we'd love to have your support supporting independent media it helps keep us going. You can check out the plans and pricing page on the big mouth media website at bigmouthmediafl.com. for as low as four 99 a month. You can help us keep this show going. We'd certainly love your support and keep following us on social media as well. Listen and find the edited podcast, wherever you listen, Apple, Spotify, Audible, and or go right back to the Big Mouth Media website, BigMouthMediaFL.com. I've been your Democratic host, Dr. Cindy Banyan. I'm your Republican host, Sean Hartman. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.